Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. No, they got a translation of the Bible out. It's called the Passion Translation. And I, I know this group, Dr. Simmons, is the one that actually did it. He's a scholar in this here, and it's an incredible translation of the Bible. But he had a prophetic word that I sense I'm supposed to read to each one of you. Uh, the president of the CCAL, Canadian Coalition of Apostolic Leaders, wrote me and he said, Ricky said, I, I, I got to give you, I, I really feel this is for your house, and this is from Dr. Simmons that he just brought out at the end of last year. He said, I will restore, do not be afraid to follow me into the unknown. This is the theme, restoration in 2018. He says, for I am the one who leads you and restores your life and I have placed within you my glorious treasure and I care for you. This year will be a year of restoration in your life. You will end this coming year restored in my love, strengthened in my grace, and surrounded with songs of joy and your joy will be shared in by angels for they will be with you my child they will be beside you guarding your life and preparing the way and I will restore you never limit me I will restore your family and those you love they will see me in your life and know that I am the one that gives back to you who has been lost don't doubt my grace that it is enough for you and for your family. I say to you, I will restore you and provide for you in ways that will reveal my heart of love. My mercy brings gifts and surprises and supplies all that you need. There will be always provision for your needs and in my mercy, I will reveal where you can find me. For this will be the season of abundant supply for every need that you have. I will restore your mind and your heart as you come before me crooked things will be made straight within you for everything I do for you I do inside your heart healing your spirit and soothing your soul come and find my heart and I will restore your heart greater passions will rise within you to feast upon my word and to drink of my spirit and the hunger I give you will bring you deeper into my grace and my love for you And I will restore you in your dreams, those dreams which listen within you for completion and to touch the lives of others. I will fulfill promises made, our promises kept. As I speak deep within you and in the whispers of the night, I will watch over every word I speak to you and it will be fulfilled this day begins a new season of dreams fulfilled and you will laugh with joy when promises are fulfilled and impossibilities removed and you will see that my ways are perfect and everybody said amen i don't know if you're as encouraged by that as i am and then he said this here psalm 138 out of his translation the passion he said you keep every promise you've ever made to me since your love for me is constant and endless i ask you lord to finish every good thing that you began in me and everybody said 
Amen. High five that one around you and say, he's going to do it this year. He's going to restore your life, your days, your numbers. He's going to restore your mind, your family. He's going to restore your finances. He's going to restore every good thing in your life this year. Amen. Is everybody ready for God's word? Kathy and I are going to split it up. It's 945 right now, so at 5 after, I'll be walking down. She's going to finish up by 925, have communion, and we're all ready. Sound like a fair deal? So everybody say when it comes to three minutes after, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy. Okay. In his book, um, several years, quite a few years, just over a decade that came out, it was called The Purpose Driven Life. He actually sold 32 million copies of it. 85 different languages. It's the most fundamental question that you can ask yourself, why am I here? And God makes everything with a purpose, and every plant and every um, animal has a purpose. And if you are alive, that means that God has a purpose for your life. He quotes out of Colossians 1.16, he said in the Message Bible, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. In his book, he shares about really God being number one in our life. It said, plan for God. How many know you were made for God's pleasure? I'll say it again. You were made for God to enjoy. God doesn't want want you to think that you're not on his mind. God doesn't want you to think that you can't have fun. How many know this God that we serve, it says all things are made by him and for him, and without him nothing exists, but he made all things for your pleasure. Come on, church. And then we recognize that God formed you to be in a family. And how many know WCF is a portion of the family of God in the earth today of all those that, as we read in the scripture today, that are the new creations in Christ Jesus. He also created us to be like Christ. And that's where Kathy is going to be really zeroing in today about God made you to transform you into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that you and I are literally living epistles written and read by men. How many know you're a book out there that people are reading every day? They're looking at your life. They're looking at my life. They're looking at our church. And, and it's a book that's out there that they're actually observing, that they're actually reading, that they're actually hearing about. And then he shared about the fourth. He said, purpose God created for this your life. You were shaped for the service of God. How many know the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 2.10, after it says, for by grace are you saved through faith that not of works as any man should boast, for it's a gift of God. He goes right in and he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So good works, listen, are, are not what saves us, but good works are what accompany the saved today in the earth. The area that I want to zero in, the last thing he said, we were made for a mission And the mission for you and I is to touch the lives and the hearts of everyone that we come in contact with and to win them all to Jesus. So I'm not going to develop everything out of Rick Warren's book, but I will share this. Now, think about this for a minute. God made, uh, how many know in the book of Genesis, everything God made, he made it with a purpose? Okay. How many know that he made the animal kingdom with a purpose? Three people know that. So how many know he made flies? Flies have a purpose. He made mosquitoes. Now, you can argue with this here, but I'm going to show you scientifically in a minute. How many know mosquitoes have a purpose? Probably most people don't know it other than to annoy you, okay? And how many know he made all the animals that are out there? And, and, and I, 
There, there's so many things that I want to share about this here. But when we speak of purpose, we speak the reason for which something exists, the reason why something is done, the reason why something is made, and the reason why something is used. It speaks about all intended or all desired results. <clears throat> In other words, we could say, what's the end? What's the reason that I'm here? And what's the reason that you're here? And what's the reason that things are made? What's the end? What's the aim? Another translation literally says, what's the goal? What's the determination? What's the resoluteness? Uh, the resoluteness? What's the subject in hand? What's the point? What's the issue? What's the intention of why God made you? Okay? And that's the question that Kathy and I are going to be answering in these next several weeks over here of why God puts you here. Now, how many know Jesus didn't come without a reason? You know, people argue about the day that the Son of God came that, uh, on his birthday. And I, I, don't, I don't argue with people about stupid stuff to me. That's peripheral. Okay, the main thing is we celebrate his birth. But when I went to Israel a few years ago, and I'll be going back in, uh, in, in, um, in February. When I went to Israel, we went across to Jordan, and we were by the Jordan. They went to the baptismal site. And where Jesus, was, uh, where Jesus went and was baptized by John, how many know... How many know it was the lowest point of the whole world? How many didn't know that? Raise your hand. You didn't know that. Where he was baptized was the lowest point under sea of the whole world. Come on. So how many know he went to the lowest to become the highest? Uh, when the Son of God was born, December 24th the night or December 20th, whichever way, that's when we celebrate it. But how many know December is the darkest month of the whole year? Isn't it just like the Son of God to come who's the light of the world on the darkest time? Okay, I mean, everything God does. And, and, and so in, in the same respect, why was it that Jesus came? What was the purpose of why Jesus came? We have to ask ourselves, is there a reason why he came? Well, yeah, to forgive your sins, yeah, to, uh, to get us back to God. Yeah, all those things sound good, but the Bible tells us the purpose of why he came. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning for this purpose. Everybody say, for this purpose. We could say for this goal, for this aim, for this reason, for this intention, for this res uh, resoluteness, for this uh, determination, for this purpose, look what it says over here, for this purpose the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Come on. So what was the purpose of Jesus going to the cross? What was the purpose he was born? What was the purpose that he lived? What was the purpose that he died? His purpose was for one reason, zeroed in, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. What does it mean to destroy? It literally means to reduce, to fragmented use, to put it into a useless form. It means by rending, burning, dissolving, Injuring it beyond repair or renewal. It means to demolish it. It means to ruin it. So we see the purpose of why Jesus was here. And everybody said amen. amen. We also see the purpose of why you and I are here. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.9, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, because that was his plan, it says in the New Living Translation. In the New King James, it says, from before the beginning of the time, purpose, for, from before the beginning of time, 
to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. So how many know whatever we're going to do in life to fulfill our purpose, we have to have a revelation of the enabling, empowering grace of God that's not coming down, but it's already abiding inside of us. The Bible says, for the grace of God, he hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness, to live soberly and righteously in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of God our Savior. And everybody said, man, that's an exciting day, amen? So we see the purpose now is the grace. And then in Exodus 9, we see, but I have spared you for a purpose to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth. How many know if God wanted us just to be in glory, how many know after we got saved, he would have smote us and taken us home? Come on. But how many know he's got you here for a reason? He's got you here for a purpose to take you what? Unto another dimension of the supernatural. And I really believe that we're going to see more miracles this year than in the history of the church. I believe we're going to see more transformation this year than any other time. I believe we're going to see more creative miracles and and things happen this year than any other time. And at the end of this year, we'll look back and reflect and we'll all say together, God is good. Amen. And then in Psalm 20, verse 4, it says in the New King James, may he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans or purposes, okay, succeed. So how many know the purposes that you have, the purposes that I have, how many, God doesn't want them to fall dormant, but how many know he desires them to succeed? And everything the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, and then I'm just about done, I got one more. It says everything has its time. To everything there is a season, there is a time for every purpose under heaven. Amen. Well, let me just tell you, I believe it's our time now. I'll say it again. I believe it's our time now. The Bible says when darkness covers the earth and gross darkness to people, which he prophesied it would happen, it said, then my glory shall be seen upon you. So listen, I I believe that there's been a time in history that the prophets looked into. I believe there's been a time that's been foretold by all those of old. And I believe that we're entering that time frame of history now. And everybody agree with that, said yes and amen. Well, how do we find our place? How do we find our time? If God's got a plan for the bugs, if he's got a plan for the insects, how many know surely he's got a plan for you? But how is it that we're actually going to find that plan? Is it a coincidence or a chance that we've called the church to a 40-day time of seeking God, a time to fast, a time to break off social media and other things that could hinder that uh, seeking of the face of God and putting our priorities into divine perspective as we learned last week? And I want to thank you. I've never had, in all the years I've preached, so much affirmation, encouragement, and emails and everything from individuals on last week's message. And it was very, very basic. Can you all say Amen getting rid of the declutter, getting rid of the stuff off of our life, the baggage not carrying it into the new year, and then what? Putting God as our priority inside of our lives. Seeking God, number one, and then putting him as the first place of priority in everything that we do. And so how do we find our purpose? Well, in Mark chapter one, I want you to look over there in 35. It says, now in the morning, having risen a long time while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And then it says in Mark 1, 35, it says, and there in a solitary place, he prayed. Everybody say, Jesus prayed. Okay, isn't that amazing? And then then it tells us over there, it says he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you, but he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, 
because for this purpose I have come forth. So he tells us after he prayed, how many know he knew what his purpose is going to be? Many people today get messed up because they want a prophetic word to tell them their purpose. They want somebody else to tell them their purpose. But I believe God's word teaches us that he wants us to know and to find out our purpose for ourselves. Amen? I don't, listen, I already know what my purpose is, okay? My purpose, number one, my purpose is to bring the body unto the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. I believe my purpose, listen, is to bring unity out of that revelation, is to bring the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, amen? And it's going to take place by reconciliation. What's that? The ministry that God has given to us. So, so I already know what my purpose is. I do it here, but I also do it nationally. I do it uh, for the nation, but I also do it internationally. And that's the driving purpose. I just don't go out and speak without a purpose. But everything, everywhere I go, reconciliation takes place and unity takes place. Is it any wonder why we get hit in the area of unity as a church more than anyone else? Because that's the promote, that's the purpose of why we are really, really here. Many aren't aware of this here, but 35 years have gone by now since we've come here, and we've broken down racial divisions amongst churches in the area. We've broken down the competition and comparison spirit. We first started off, you couldn't get any of the churches to pray together, and now they all pray together. Can you say amen? And so God has three prayer meetings a week going on in our city just amongst the pastors. That all started when the seed fell into the ground from 35 years ago, and everybody said amen. So here's what I want to share, okay? The last thing that I want to share is scientists who study animal life are called zoologists. And the reason I'm sharing this is because of animals have a purpose. And if animals have a purpose, and bugs have a purpose, and insects have a purpose, then how many know we also have a purpose? Okay, so they're called zoologists, and they have uh, recorded some 20,000 species of fish, some 6,000 species of reptiles, some 9,000 birds, some 1,000 amphibians, some 15,000 species of mammals. And although there are a million named species of insects, scientists estimate that there could be at least another million, okay, waiting to be discovered and to be named. As a matter of fact, if you look it up in the scientific journals and the books, they say there's a minimum of three million different animals. Insects, bugs, all that there, okay? Up to 100 million out there that they don't even know them all. And, and, and so think about that. If evolution's through, then all one cell's gonna come. Get out of here. Okay, anyway. So the Torah, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible teaches that everything in the world was created to benefit. So when we see this here, it was given to benefit. It's advantageous. It's good to man who himself was created to serve the creator. So what is the purpose of animals that cannot be used for energy or for food? The question was addressed actually to the Mammonites, okay? Moses ben Mammon was the leader of that movement, a writer of Jewish laws and ethics some 800 years ago, and he said, everything under the moon, he wrote, as created was given to create it to serve man. Even animals with no apparent benefit from elephants to worms are in fact beneficial to man, so we just don't realize it yet. Okay, he pointed out that science in his day discovered previously unknown benefits in animals and plants, and with that time, they will undoubtedly make more such discoveries. 
the fact that some animals appear not to offer any benefit to humans is only because we don't yet have enough knowledge about them. It's really rich in what I'm saying here. Indeed, who could imagine back then that the medical experiments on monkeys and mice especially would be crucial to development and life-saving medications. Now, I got four more minutes, so I just want to read a few of these here over here that was, is, is going to help you, okay? Mosquitoes larvae are aquatic insects and as such play an important role in the aquatic food chain. According to Dr. Gilbert Waldbauer in the handy bug answer book, Mosquitoes larvae are filter feeders that strain tiny organic particles such as an uncellular algae from the water and convert them to the tissues of their own bodies, which are in turn eaten by fish. Mosquitoes larvae are in essence nutrient-packed snacks for fish and other aquatic animals. While species of mosquitoes eat their carcasses of insects that drown in the water, the mosquitoes larvae feed on the waste products, making nutrition such as nitrogen available for the plant community to thrive. In this case, if those mosquitoes were limited, uh, were eliminated, it might affect plant growth in those areas. A mosquito's role on the bottom of the food chain does not end at the larva stage. As adult mosquitoes serve as equally nutritious meals for birds, bats, and by the way, bats, there's over 1,000 species of bats alone, okay? And spiders, a brown bat actually eats up to 500 mosquitoes an hour, okay? Mosquitoes seem to represent a considerable biomass of food for wildlife on the lower rungs of the food chain. Mosquitoes' extinction, if it is achievable, could have an adverse effect on the ecosystem of the planet. Okay, now I'll give you a couple more uh, over here because I still got three minutes and then right at five I'm walking off. Spiders, how many love spiders? Spiders eat lots of insects, mostly those smaller than themselves and taken as a whole. And given the diversity of species assemblages in most ecosystems, spiders' primary niche and nearly every ecosystem is controlling insect population. Some families like the orb weaver do this through the passing hunting with their signature webs and others like wolf spiders do this through active hunting because many species over winter, they can help reduce prey numbers early in the agricultural seasons. Farmers, horticulturalists, and gardeners leg up the seasoning according to Colorado State University. Spiders also kill other arcanides and spiders, even those of the same species, which helps keep their number in check. Furthermore, spiders are an important food source for a variety of birds, lizards, wasps, and especially in desert mammals. What spiders do is to help balance the world out. If there weren't any spiders around, the world would be overrun with other annoying insects such as fly. So before I go any further... If God had a purpose for spiders, and he had a purpose for mosquitoes, and he had a purpose for flies, and he has a purpose for birds, then he's got a purpose for you, and she's going to tell you about it. That was really good. Um, well, God does have a purpose for each and every one of us. And as Pastor Rick just shared, we are fasting. And the purpose of our fast, and again, we can fast many different ways, 
The purpose, though, is to get time set out every day to seek God so that you can discover what God has for you and what you're supposed to do. Because we are living in a time and an hour. I believe we're in the last days. And um, there's so many things going on in the world that we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. You have been called for such a time as this. God has you born now. He has you living on the planet now. He has you here now because you have a place and a purpose to play in this world until Jesus returns or you go home to be with the Lord. So this is important that you take time. You know, this is a new year and we need to take time and say, why am I here? Because so many people live their life without purpose and they're not fulfilling what God put them here for and they die with the dream and the purpose still in them and they don't ever accomplish what God called them to. The Bible tells us in Psalm 139, 13 to 17, it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. See, God saw you before you were born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. God has a written plan for you. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. So our purpose on this earth is twofold. There's two Two things we have to know. Number one, as Pastor Rick talked about, we're here to bring glory to God. We're here to love God with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our strength. We are here to help be a part of building God's kingdom on this earth. So part of your calling falls under that. But God also, as he made the world and everything in it, he has um, put gifts and talents and things inside of each one of us, to fulfill different aspects of society and of life in order for this world to function well. So in other words, you know, it's, we are kingdom builders, and that's number one. Whatever we, whatever we know, whatever we need to know is that we are called to do something for the kingdom of God. But we are also called to do something to fulfill the needs of society and, and mankind and what this world needs to function. And, and so we need to know that. And each of us has a story. You know, there is something in you that you can do better than anybody. Well, I don't want to say necessarily better than anybody else. Possibly at least better than at least 10,000 other people. So each one of us has a unique gift. There's something about us that God, as he was forming us in our mother's womb, put in us that there was a purpose. There was something that we would excel at beyond anybody else. And we need to know that and we need to discover what that is. The problem is we get so distracted by so many other things. First of all, we're not seeking God. And so when you're not seeking God, you're going to be caught up in a lot of other things and you're not going to discover what it is God had for you. And then a lot of times, even if we know what God's had called us to do, then we often, because of uh, lies of the enemy, resistance that comes against us, fears and insecurities, and so many other things that come up that we disqualify ourselves and, and we go back and we don't move forward to what we were called to do. So we have a purpose. And how do we find out what it is? How do we get there? And that's what we want to know. Obviously, loving God, there's two rules that God gave us, or commandments. Love God, love others. 
So when you're doing those two things, you will find out. If you're not doing those things, you're not likely to totally get there. So that's really important. And, um, but God's purpose for mankind is to draw people to him, that they would come to know him. And so you need to know what your unique calling is and what it is you're called to do. Now, just to give you an example, this church, God has a vision for the world. And so his vision is to reconcile people back to him. We read this morning in 1 Corinthians 5 how we're called to be ministers of reconciliation. We are all called to bring people to God, to get them reconciled to God. We're not called to get everybody back to God, but we're all called to get specific people back that God puts in our life. And many people, they feel like the job's too big. Well, it is too big for one person, but it's not one person that's going to do the job. And just like this church, you know, God has a vision for the world. He has a vision for countries. He has a vision for cities and communities. And he puts churches and, and people together in those, in those cities and communities to be able to help fulfill the whole. We're all part of something bigger than ourselves. And so this church, if you're called to be in this church, then you are, there is a job for you to do here. There's something that where you fit, where you're uniquely made to do. Now, sometimes you might not know what that is right away, and maybe you might have to do other things until you discover what it is. But if you sit back and do nothing, you'll never discover what it is. You have to start doing something. And that's very, very important. And we'll get into specifics later on, it probably won't be this week because of time, but we need to know that, you know, it's so important that we get up and we begin to move forward doing things that we, that burdens or things that God puts on our hearts or needs that we see that we can meet and that we have the ability to meet. And you start there. And in starting there, eventually you'll come into your place and, and you'll be what God wants you to be. Now, um, we are called to call people back to God. So we all have a purpose in the church. Now, in society, we have the family. So we, are, we all have a place in family. We all have a place and a specific need that we fill in the family. But there's also education and government and entertainment and technology and science and engineering and agriculture and the food industry and medical, all of those things. How many know we need people that are skilled and operating in all of those fields? And our problem in our society is that we elevate certain things over others. In other words, we make people feel like, well, if you're doing this, then you're valued and you're important. But if you're doing this job, you're not. But that's a lie. God has a different value system than the world has. And every job is important. And it doesn't matter what it is. If it's adding value to society and to the quality of life that people live, then it is needed. And um, I like to look even at the church. We have people that do things in the church in the background. And I, I like to bring up, uh, this is, we have people now, but there's people here that they're gifted to fix things. How many know in a church things break? And if they don't get fixed, we can't function well. You know, so we have maintenance people. We have uh, Robin, who's our IT guy, who we could not get half done without him. <laughs> and, and we appreciate the gift that he is. We have people that can, you know, they can counsel people and listen to people. We have people that are encouragers, you know. Um, Pastor Brian, for example, is one of the greatest encouragers I know. And he's probably, he's amazing when people are in crisis. And, and, and so we can see 
people. Pastor Luke is also a great encourager. And we can see that the gifts that people are, are needed in our church. Now, I'm not saying that's all they do, but there are certain things. How many know when you get to know people, sometimes their gift kind of rises up and you just see, you know what their gift is. You know what it is. And we, you know their hearts. And you see the things that, that uh, they do. And it stands out because they're doing. They're not inactive. They're doing. They're doing. And when we do, we become who God has called us to be. So how do we know our unique spot? You know, there's a lot of things we can do to discover what our unique spot is. And everyone has a story. And we're talking about discovering your story. What is your story? What is it you're going to be known for? What do you want people to say at your funeral? What do you want people to, to remember you by? And you know, sometimes I just want to address a couple of the things that the enemy disqualifies us by. You know, we can look at, well, I'm not perfect, or I'm struggling with this, or, you know, I keep messing up over here, or I do something. You know what? Your weaknesses does not disqualify you from stepping out. You look at, you know, I just recently saw a movie uh, called The Darkest Hour. And it's a movie about Winston Churchill when he was appointed as Prime Minister of England when he was in the um, when they were in the war world uh, with Hitler, and he was the man that was called to win that war for on behalf of England and and others. He was the one, but he had many weaknesses. He had many things he didn't do right. But when we think of Winston Churchill, what do we remember him for? Victory at all costs, yes. He had a message. He was able to speak and motivate people and to believe, to believe they could win the war. And so he, he was known for that. Another person is Schindler. How many know who Schindler is? If you ever saw the movie Schindler's List, you know, he was, he was a messed up guy. He was really messed up. But what was he famous for? He was famous for saving the Jews in the Holocaust. He wasn't afraid to get them and hide them. And so, you know, a movie was named after him. You know, not too many people get, you know, get that name. You don't have to be famous, though, to fill your purpose. But you need to know what is your purpose. And sometimes, you know, our whole lives can be up to a defining point. In other words, you can be filling your purpose, fulfilling your purpose, but then there's a defining moment. There's something where you can reach, and, th and that's kind of like the, the, that's it. That's what it is, that one thing. And your whole life revolves around that. I remember when I was, um, when I had the um, experience with the cross, and I was writing the book on the cross, I knew when I was writing that book, this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm here for. This is not that I wasn't doing all the other things and wasn't supposed to do other things, but I knew that this is, this is my message. This is why I'm here, to get this message out. Right? This is it. And we know what it is. Um, we're going to just watch a really brief video clip, uh, just as an example, again, of Esther. And we all know her story, or most of us know her story. But her whole life was meant for a moment that changed history. Guards. My queen, I bring you word for Mordecai. You've run out of time. 
When the king leaves for Greece tomorrow, he will appoint Hegemin as his regent. It is our last chance to stop this edict of death. He made me vow to speak his words. You will indeed risk your life if you go before the king. But do not think that if you keep silent, your position will save you alone from this edict. For if you keep silent, deliverance for the Jews will arise from someplace else, but you will surely perish. Who knows whether you have come to the palace for such a time as this. He said to give you this. Tell Mordecai to assemble the Jews. Ask them to fast and pray. I will do the same. And in the morning, arrange for me a litter. I will array myself as queen and go before the king unsummoned. Even though it is against the law. And if I perish, before the king. the story how because of her the Jews were all before that the Jews were all going to end up dying and because of her bravery they were spared and and I won't go into all the details of that story but you know what there's things we need to do and know how to do in order to discover what does God have for us to do and so many people disqualify themselves because of insecurities, fears, because of weaknesses they have in their lives and they um, and one of the biggest sins of all is the sin of apathy. And that is not caring and not being willing to do anything. 
and to always think, well, somebody else can do it, rather than look at what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? You know, what can I do? You find yourself by losing yourself. In other words, when you look at needs around you, your purpose is always found in meeting the needs of others and in serving. And if you're meeting your own needs and you're only about that and you're only seeing about serving yourself, you won't discover your purpose and you'll miss it. A passive life is the most meaningless life. And so we need to break out of excuses and every day matters. What you do on a day-to-day basis is what matters. You know, I, I, I discovered this, that to make New Year's resolutions isn't always a good idea. But if you only make one after seeking God, is write down every night or first thing in the morning a list of what you need to do that day to accomplish what you're called here for. That's all you do. And make a list of the things that would keep you from that. So you know what to declutter your life from and eliminate out of your life. Because then that will help you find out. Now one of the biggest things, as I said, that disqualifies us from our vision or for what God has called us to is that we disqualify ourselves. We disqualify ourselves because we, again, focus on our weaknesses, focus on our failures, focus on what we do wrong, focus on how we're not good enough or we can't do it. And so therefore we think, well, I'm just not going to even try because of this, this, and this. We have all our reasons. The pathway, the roadway to hell is paved with good intentions and excuses. Amen? Jesus said, there is no excuse. We just have to do it. We just have to begin. But we also have to know how to love ourselves. And so I'm going to give you all an assignment this week, and we're going to continue on this next week. But your assignment is this. I want you to make a list of every good thing about you. Every good thing about you, make a list. Your, your strengths, your talents, your gifts, what you're good at, what you're able to do. And if you don't know, ask the people that know you to tell you. And don't, be, don't think this is a prideful thing. This is important because you got to know your gifts. you got to know what you are good at, right? And as we know what we're good at, we will be able to excel more and we'll focus and it'll, it'll start to begin to streamline and we'll know what we are called to do. Now, I'm going to say, I, I made a list of my good, good things, but I also made a list of Pastor Rick's. He doesn't know I'm going to do this. So I'm going to share his, then I might share mine. But um, the first thing that stands out to me is that Pastor Rick loves God. And he loves to seek God. That's his, that's his strength. But he also really loves people. And he really cares about people. And he loves to study the word. He spends a lot of time at home studying the word. He loves encouraging people. He's an encourager. He loves communicating with people. And he loves preaching. He likes to tell you what he's learned. He likes writing. Um, he loves to tell good stories. Uh, he's a hard worker, and he does things 
uh, right away. He's not a procrastinator. In fact, he's the opposite of procrastination. You have to be careful what to tell him he's doing if you don't want it done right away. <laughs> he's a giver. He's merciful. He loves unity and lives for unity. He's a connector. He loves connecting people. He's very friendly. He's everybody's friend. He's very unselfish. He's loyal. He's authentic. He loves his family. He's fun, and he loves to get good deals. <laughs> and he's very passionate about whatever he does. So those are just some of his qualities. But, you know, you need to write down yours, right? You need to write down yours. Because as you write down yours, you'll discover things about yourself, and you may not even know what they are. And another thing you need to know, too, is what are the worst things that have ever happened to you? Make a list of the worst things that ever happened to you. And then the best things that ever happened to you. And we're going to start with that. And next week, we'll continue on. But, you know, in doing those exercises through prayer and fasting and seeking God, things will begin to emerge about you and about your uniqueness and about your gift and about what God has called you to do. Amen? God has an amazing purpose for each and every one of you. How many love Pastor Howie? How many know some unique things about Pastor Howie? Pastor Howie is a very, he doesn't act like he is, but he's a very compassionate person. He likes to act tough. <laughs> but he's got a heart of gold. And how many know that about Pastor Howie? He cares about people. And he works in a ministry to help the hurting. And he loves doing that. I think you love doing it anyway. You, <laughs> he does. He loves doing it. And, um, but, and, and he's also a person that helps bridge the gap. He helps bridge the gap. He's, he's done many things. I could go on. Everyone, Lorraine. How many know Lorraine? Lorraine is hilarious. <laughs> she has an amazing sense of humor, but she's also a joy to be around. She's fun to be around. She's a blessing, and she's been an asset to our church. And Phil, who's on our board, and he's, he's just solid, sturdy, stable person, you know. You know, I could go on and on and on and name people, and every person, God has a plan for you. Shannon and what she does with the blades is amazing the ministry she has with those young women and how it shapes and forms their lives, you know, and we could go on, but you know, we, we need to know what has God called me to do? What is, what is it about me that stands out? What is it that I do that's going to make a difference? Whether in the church, whether on the job, where, wherever God has called you to. See, wherever God has planted you, whether you're in a five-fold ministry, working in the church, or you are, you're all called to volunteer in the church because you're part of building the kingdom of God. And God works through the church. And, but also, you're called to do things wherever you work. And you're called to be the best at whatever you do, whatever your job is. And no job is too insignificant or too small that it doesn't matter. If you're called to clean houses, be the best housekeeper there is so that people that know you and that utilize your gift there will tell others about how good you are and what a great job you do. If you're called to be a doctor, an engineer, 
to work on a plant, uh, on a line in one of the plants. Excel. Be a light in the darkness. And, and you'll discover what God has called you to. And sometimes we do jobs that maybe they're just a stepping stone. Maybe that's what we're called to do. And that's it. And we're happy. You'll be happy doing what you're called to do because you're gifted to do it. And you're called to do it. And you're anointed to do it. And God will use you. I'm not quite done. Good job. Good job. We are going to. Next week. How many enjoyed that today? Now, how many wrote it down that you're going to write down about the good qualities, the good characteristics? See, if you didn't write it down, you're going to go on the parking lot, you're going to get distracted, you're going to forget about it, and then you're going to come in next week and then wonder what happened. Because what we're going to do is we're going to call different ones up and ask you for your list. <laughs> oh, that's good preaching. Now I got everybody sweating bullets. So. And you have to write down a minimal of a dozen things. Try to get 25, and if you get to 100, you did really good. You know, there's things I can say just about everybody here. Mm-hmm. Just about everybody here. But I'm going to sum it all up. Everybody, put up the message Bible, if you can, as we break bread together. In Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, in the message Bible, I want you to, this is going to sum up everything that we said in the assignment that was given. So everybody stand up, because we're going to have communion, and say, you're so much more important than a fly, a mosquito, a bat, and any other animal. But you've been made... In God's image. See yourself that way. This is what I want you to read. Everybody, let's say it up. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are what? True. What else? Noble, Noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. Say it again. The Say it again. The best. best. That's what she just told you. Not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And what's going to happen? And God, look at the next verse. Look what's going to happen. And and the God of peace is going to hit you. Who makes everything work together and work you into his most excellent harmony. Isn't that amazing? That's what God desires to do in all of us that are here today. All right. I'm just hearing inside that there's people here, all you focus on is your struggles. Your entire time, your entire prayer, everything, your whole life is focused on your struggles. And if you'll make one adjustment in that frequency today and start focusing on him, come on, start focusing on him and not on your struggles you're going to notice that the struggles are going to get less and less and less in your life because he's the answer to what we're talking about now.